Well, if you will turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. John 3, and we will pick up with the 18th verse. As you are able, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, thank you for your word, that it is truth, and we can utterly rely upon it, even when we can't rely in the same way on our own inward thoughts. So will you today, Lord, teach us and move us and mold us? into conformity to live as children of the living God. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Be seated. C.S. Lewis was grieving the death of his wife. And he wrote this. Not that I am, I think, in much danger of ceasing to believe in God. The real danger is of coming to believe such dreadful things about him. The conclusion I dread is not, so there's no God after all, but so this is what God is really like. He was dealing with doubts. This man that that we would quote in so many contexts because of how God used him in his writings. And here he was, facing that which is common to all people, and that is loss and, and grief. And even in that, finding himself having some doubts. Now, 
I know it's hard when you hear a quote for the first time, but if, if you heard this um, and listened closely, what he was saying is, I, I'm not really afraid that I'm going to quit believing that there is a God. Here's what I'm afraid of, that I'm going to find out things about him that I just don't like. That's what I'm concerned about. Well, in the passage today, one of the things I love about John and about this book is it is so very real where he deals with with any subject without fear and he, he deals with it so that the children of the living God can know it's okay to deal with these things. In fact, we must. And here is how. So as we begin, uh, one, uh, I want us to understand, first of all, that, that many followers of Christ experience doubts. Now, <clears throat> in our more honest moments, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. But sometimes, sometimes people, especially when we're at church and, and, and so on, you may say, yeah, well, maybe I have some doubts somewhere back there, but I, I don't talk about those things, and, and it's, you know, we, we really don't. Well, here are some things you need to know about, about doubts in terms of the Christian life. Uh, not everyone has doubts all the time. Everyone does not struggle with doubt in the same way. For some, it is a a primary struggle in their Christian walk. I have a a longtime friend who uh, was a pastor, and he just went to be with the Lord this week. And he struggled with doubts, I believe, every day of his life. And every time he preached... That came out. There are some, and maybe you're one of them, there are some that that it seems like are almost defined by that. It is a constant thing. But for for many, it's more of just a fleeting, occasional, a a rare thought that is like, like a stray thought that's out of place, but it comes in and flies through our mind. And we go, where, where'd that come from? Some are true doubts that need to be shored up and dealt with. Others are false doubts. When Christ comes, here's what will take place. This is from Revelation 12. It says, I, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of of his Christ have come. And here's the part I want you to take note of. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. It's describing Satan. He is the accuser of the brothers and sisters and it says, uh, who accuses them day and night before our God. 
He's not going to cast any doubts in God's mind. But we see that he loves to accuse us and cause us to wonder. So how do we handle doubts in the Christian community? Uh, In some churches, it is taboo uh, just to even mention doubts. I believe that's unhealthy. And I want you to know that here at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, you are encouraged to be authentic in your faith And you don't need to be afraid to admit and grapple and be honest about faith struggles. It's okay. And actually, in the community of faith is the very best place to deal with them. Among God's people, in the family. And if one begins to have doubts and decides to isolate themselves, that's a dangerous place to be. So John doesn't want us to just talk about doubts and just say, okay, well, yeah, they're they're there. He wants us to deal with them when they come. So how do we address them? Well, let's see what he says here. Uh, When doubts come, look for proof of our relationship with Christ. And he he says, basically, believe in love. Believe and love. Verse 18, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Verse 19, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. You get it? You hear what he's saying? So as we've been saying, John, uh, throughout this book, gives objective tests that we can apply to our own life and our own faith, and these tests are to see if our faith is real. And then he goes on to let him know how to have assurance in these times of doubt. Uh, he, He... speaks of how God knows our hearts. Verse 20, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. That's omniscience, knowing everything. By the way, that's one reason why it's okay to talk out loud about uh, any kind of faith struggles because God already knows them. And he has placed us in community to help us. When when we are struggling with a weakness, there's going to be somebody else that, that won't be struggling with it at that time. They may struggle at another time or with another thing. But that's the beauty of community. So God knows our secret motives. He knows our deepest concerns. And what's implied here is that God will actually be more merciful to us than our own hearts may be. For the believer, God knowing all things should relieve us, not terrify us. 
And that's one of the differences between believers and unbelievers. Psalm 103, verse 13 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Now we need to understand that our our conscience, our, our heart, is by no means infallible. We can feel guilty or unclean over some things that in God's eyes are are not even actually sin. So believers have to rely on God and his mercy. The other thing about our conscience, take it all by itself, is that it's unreliable. We can't trust it. During my ministry, I... I've had any number of times when uh, somebody has uh, come into my office or asked, I asked them to come into my office and they shared with me something that was going on, some practice in their life, some decision that they had made. And it was clearly against God's word. But they said, I have a clear conscience before God. How do we deal with that? Well, the only way to deal with that is head on with the word of God that is objective, the only way we know what God's will is, is what he has told us. And what you are doing is clearly contrary to what God has told us. So when the word of God comes in conflict with with our conscience, the word of God must be what we listen to, not our conscience. Because our conscience and even our heart is not reliable. It is only reliable insofar as it's in submission to the word of God. When those two match up. He goes on, he basically says there is inward proof. Verse 24, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him And by this we know that he abides in us. In other words, okay, you got doubts. Here's how we know uh, that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given. Now, you may say, well, that, that sounds subjective, not objective. The spirit, how do we really know it? That is the spirit. The spirit whose presence is a test of Christ in us will always manifest himself objectively in our life and conduct. So we can't just say, yeah, I've I've got the spirit there if our life and conduct don't fit with what the God's Holy Spirit has revealed in his word. The Holy Spirit inspires us to confess that Jesus Christ is, 
Lord. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live righteously. The Holy Spirit enables us to love others. So if we want to assure our hearts when they're accusing us, we must look for evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit. So we say, you know what, I used to struggle with this, especially when I first came to Christ and before I was in Christ. But I can see he's given me progress in this area. Or there's no reason I would have loved that person without Christ, without the Holy Spirit in me. In other words, outward manifestations of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. And then by way of application, the, the, um, dealing with our doubt has its rewards. He goes on, he talks about a proper confidence, verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So if we have the objective evidence that we're believers, we have a clear conscience, if we are in tune with God, we can approach him with confidence. Remember back in chapter 2, verse 28, says this, And now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. So it's a, it's a proper kind of confidence to go before him when our hearts are in tune with him. And that gives us then, he goes on to talk about a freedom in prayer. We have confidence before God, the end of verse 21, verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Now, don't get the wrong impression here. It's not that we do these things and that will manipulate God to then answer our prayer in the way we want it answered, but instead to keep his commandments as the condition of of being heard simply because such obedience is evidence that our, our will is in tune, in harmony with the will of God. So here's the flow. We have a, a, a clear heart before him because we're his child, and then we have confidence, and with that confidence before him, then we have a freedom in prayer that we don't have if we are unloving or living a disobedient life. Jesus said about Satan, In John chapter 8, the gospel of John, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So know this, that Satan will lie to you and he will will tell you Nine things that are true in order to get the tenth lie into your life. He's a skilled liar. So back to the question in terms of of doubt. If after applying all, all these tests, 
we've been talking about, and you still have that nagging voice inside of you saying, you know what, okay, there's the test, I get it, but sometimes I don't love others like I should. Or what about the time last week I wasn't very loving? Does that mean I'm not a Christian? Or I don't obey God like one would if, if I were a true believer. And you have those things just nagging at you. That's a bad thing, isn't it? Isn't, it, isn't that a bad thing that you would, those, those things would bother you and, and you would grapple with it? To think thoughts like that? Well, let me give you encouragement here. The truth is that an unbeliever doesn't grapple with those concerns. Somebody who doesn't have the Holy Spirit is not going to be bothered by being unloving at times or by, by at times being disobedient. In fact, if you're trusting in Jesus Christ alone, And you know it. Even those questions are evidence of the work of God's Holy Spirit in your life. So what do you do? If you still aren't sure if you're a believer, stop and pray. Tell God your dilemma Tell Jesus again, you want him to be your Lord and Savior. Ultimately, you're going to the one John said this about. John said, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. So Jesus When you have those times of doubt, Jesus stands for you before the Father. And he stands for us against the evil one who is lying to you and accusing us before the Father. Go back to your advocate. There is safety there. In Jesus. Let's bow. Lord, help any security we have to be only because of Jesus and not because we think we are doing enough to keep our relationship with you. Help us never to be deceived into that. But Lord, when those times, those those moments or sieges of doubt, when those come, will you, Lord Jesus, fend them off for us? Help us to find our comfort in you 
and in you alone. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.